Well, good morning. You're looking good. And uh, welcome to Northview Community Church. For those of you online, we welcome you. Thank you for tuning in. And if you've been part of LCC, we're looking a little different today. But we welcome you as you worship with us today. So here we are. It is August 7th. It's been a date that people have been saying to me for a while. Daryl's been saying it's not coming fast enough. And I'll be honest, I'm like, this is happening really fast. So depending on where you are, on what side of that, it's either been a bit to get here or it's just been a blink of an eye. But regardless, we are here. And I've spent a lot of time talking to the Lord about this day, about what he would do in and through us and our future together as he's called us to build his kingdom. And this journey has been this very interesting, I have a glare on my iPad, I'm trying to sort it out. You will soon discover I'm not very polished at all. What you see is what you get. My children will tell you I embarrass them on a regular basis. But this is a great day for us. This is a special time being here. It was actually at this altar 22 years ago, this Labor Day weekend, that Daryl and I became one. This has been home. And what you might not know is that when the invitation to begin a conversation happened, there was also an invitation to this church in Lakefield that I love. And the invitation was for Lakefield Community Church to come with me, to merge. So loved ones, today we are one because we are better together. So Lakefield Community Church and Northview Community Church are now one church for the glory of God. Amen? And if you were not with us at the end of June when I preached the call, I'm only going to do this once, and I will embarrass them a whole bunch of other ways, all the days that lie ahead of us. But if you don't know, and you haven't met them yet, this is my husband, Daryl. Stand up and turn and wave to the lovely people. All right. And then over here are three of my girls. So Grace is our oldest. Stand up wave. And then you got to look over here. Oh, she's gone. Julia. You guys know Julia. She belongs to us. Jamie McLeod does not. Some of you think, because she looks like Julia. I mean, we'll take Jamie, no problem. But Jamie actually belongs to Martin and Norma and Julia belongs to us. Hannah and Hope are our other girls. And apparently when I preach the call, I made a mistake. So I introduced my girls and my husband, and I introduced our bonus, which was my niece who was with us, and she's here, that's Chloe. But the second we left the room while you guys went into a business meeting, somebody like corrected me and said, excuse me, Aunt Crystal, you did not introduce me. And I said, but everybody knows who you are. And he's like, but do they know I'm your, you're my aunt? So please, everybody, pay very close special attention to my lovely nephew, Adam Armstrong. 
Adam, are we good now? All right, there we go. You are going to discover that I love the Lord and I love his word. And we're going to dig into it in a minute. So let's just pray together. Abba, it is so glorious to be in your house. To be one. As you and our Savior are one. And we come with great expectation for the move of your spirit in our midst. We come eagerly anticipating hearing from you this day. So, Father, in Jesus' name, we pray that we will become less and you will become more. That you will be glorified. So we present ourselves as living sacrifices today. Asking for you by your spirit to transform us. Transform me, Lord. For your glory. And we pray all of this. In the glorious name of the one we love. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So for the next few weeks, we are going to journey together through a book that I love. And you know what? This is going to become one of those things. I'm going to say a scripture, and then I'm going to say, you know, this is my favorite. Because in the moment, it really is my favorite. And it'll get annoying, but you'll love me anyhow. Because I, I love this book. And I love the one who loves me. I am crazy in love with the one who saved me and transformed me, redeemed me, and called me. He is the best thing that has ever happened in my life. And I love living my life with Jesus. And I love the history of Scripture. I love to dig deep into it. I love to have the context right. And I love to make sure we have a takeaway. What do we do with what we've now learned? How do we collectively and individually respond to what the Lord has spoken to us? What do we do with what we've learned? See, this is important. So for the next four Sundays, we are going to journey through the book of James. And Oh, yeah, see, I don't do PowerPoint. I got to tell you this right off, the, right off the bat. I don't do PowerPoint because I find it distracting. I know you all love it. I'm terrible at it, but I did it for you. And uh, I'll, try to, I'll try to keep going with it. But our big idea here, as we journey through these next four weeks and get to know each other, as we dig into this book, is that what we claim to believe must be evident in how we live. It's just really that simple. Our, our belief and our faith need to play out in our actions, our attitudes, and all of the things we do in our life. We need to be and choose to be a consistent people where faith and actions and attitudes line up. And James is this really great, meaty place to be reminded on how to do that. So why do we need to be consistent? Because listen, you may be the only Bible somebody ever reads. It might be you. And I know, and I hope somebody's saying, ouch, 
but we're going to do better because his mercy is new every day. In 2 Timothy, it says that all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So we're going to come under that authority of Scripture in our life today. So how you and I choose to live our lives matters. It matters to God first. It matters to your family. It matters to the family. And it matters to those who are looking at us, especially in this day. It is a scary world out there. There's global pandemics and monkeypox and war and evil around every corner. So how we live, how we live at what we claim to believe matters because people are watching. Eugene Peterson says that our life with Jesus is a long obedience in the same direction. And loved ones, we're in it together. We're family. And my picture of the family is, you know, the life preserver. That God has now put a life preserver around us collectively. We're all in it. And we're all going to swim at the pace of our slowest swimmer. So who we are, as we cheer each other on, as we hold each other accountable, as we come under the authority of our king through his word, matters. So together, we are going to learn from the Holy Spirit through the words of Jesus' brother today. If you don't know, let me introduce you to Jacob. Jacob? That's right. I don't know why we call him James. But his name is actually Jacob. And he wrote a letter. And it's the letter of James. And so together, in a minute, we're going to dig into this. James wrote this letter to the 12 tribes that are scattered among the nations. And we're going to read a portion from chapter 1, but I want to give you some background for a second. Because I like this. So if you are a history buff, you're going to appreciate this part of me. And if you're not a history buff, you're going to learn something anyhow. All right? And you're going to come to appreciate it. So in the New Testament, there are four men named James. There's the son of Zebedee, the brother of John. John, the one who was martyred by Herod. We have James, the son of Alphaeus. There's not much really known about him. Then we have James, the brother of Jesus. And we have the father of Judas. Not, not Iscariot, but the other one. And little is known about him. So we, we know that this book was written by James, Jacob, Jesus' brother, because there's no explanation to who he is. He's well known. He doesn't have to say, by the way, this is who I am. He is so credible in the early church. They know him. He was actually referred to as James the Great. And it's our job. It's our job and it's my job to make sure that we put flesh and blood on the, the ones that the Lord used 
to transcribe this beautiful word. Because they were real people just like you and I. And I love getting to know them because I can't wait to recognize them when we're together. And I call dibs on sitting down with James and John. Not, not James and John, the brothers, but not the th- sons of thunder, but James, Jacob, and John, the apostle, because they're like two of my favorites. So get in line behind me, okay? I called dibs first. So who's, who's James? He's first mentioned as one of the brothers of Jesus in Matthew 13. He's named after his grandfather, Jacob. James did not actually believe that Jesus was the son of God in his early days. He actually thought his brother was a loon. He did. And he came to faith after the resurrection. Paul refers to James as a pillar of the early church. We can read that in Galatians. Paul saw James on his first visit to Jerusalem. When Peter was rescued from prison, he said, hey, go and tell James. See, James had this significant role in the early church. And Jude, another one of the brothers of Jesus, actually identifies himself as, hey, I'm the brother of James. I want you to know that our Catholic brothers and sisters do not believe that these are the half-siblings of Jesus. We, we differ here because our, in Catholic tradition, they believe in the perpetual virginity of Mary. So they, they say that Mary remained a virgin all the days of her life, that her relationship with Joseph was always Plutonic. As Protestants, we don't, we don't teach that. We don't believe that. And so our, our Catholic brothers and sisters in their tradition would teach that the brothers and the sisters that are mentioned in Matthew 13 are actually cousins or step-siblings that Joseph had children before. But we know that's not true because Jesus was the firstborn. And you'll learn that I like to give little tidbits on what other people believe because I think it's important for us to know. So, this letter had to have been written before 62 AD. Probably one of the first letters of the New Testament. We know it was before 62 AD because James was martyred in 62 AD. And we'll get to know him a little bit more as we keep going through But one of the other key indicators for dating this is that James says to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, when Stephen in Acts 8 was martyred, they fled. They were scattered. And so we know that it's written before then. So, here we go. Oh, I froze. Can you override me back there, Rebecca? I think scripture's next. So we're going to read James chapter 1, verses 1 to 8. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. 
Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously and without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed in the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So James describes himself here as a servant. And actually, the translation is slave. He's declaring himself to be a bondservant, a slave to Christ, meaning that he is devoted with disregard to his own well-being, to his own interests. Side note, I have children, four of them. I cannot even imagine one of my kids ever saying, I'm a slave to my sister. This is a big deal. This was, these siblings of Jesus were dysfunctional. They thought he was a loon. And now, and now James is saying, I'm a bondservant. I'm a slave by choice to Jesus, my Lord. This has to give you goosebumps. So to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, we know that the persecution came hard and fast. And for a period of time, it was led by a guy named Saul who God would redeem and call to plant churches. Antiquities writer Josephus says this, that there was no city and no tribe, whether Greek or barbarian, in which Jewish law and Jewish customs had not taken root. See, God used persecution for his glory. So here we are. Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. All right. Let's not be religious for a second. Let's, let's be real for a minute. Does anyone feel like that's a crazy statement? Someone discovers that they have a serious health condition. Congratulations! You're financially struggling this month. Good for you. Like, this is a crazy statement. Is it considerate, pure joy? Like, come on. Really? Because trials of many kinds, I don't know about you, but my trials are hard. My trials can be overwhelming. My trials can make me not want to get out of bed in the morning. Have you been there? And yet James is saying, not congratulations, not be happy about your trials, but he's saying there's something to this, folks. There's something to the trial. And you need to consider this pure joy. So I'm going to assume today that some of you are sitting here in the midst of a trial. And that this message is going to poke at you. Because the invitation is to take that trial and consider it pure joy. Why? Because 
because it is the testing of your faith. Let's pause, side note. So does God cause all those trials in our life? No, 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 no. Listen, sometimes we make decisions and we put ourselves right in the pit. Have you done that? So he's, he's, not up, he's not in heaven, you know, moving the pieces on the chessboard. Okay, now I'm going to make Amy have difficulty getting insurance. He's, he's not playing a game with us. See, he knows life is hard. He knows we can be our own worst enemies. He knows that we can put ourselves in tricky situations that if we'd listened to him in the first place, he wouldn't be in. But he knows, he knows that the prince of darkness is governing the world we live in. So we have trials. Some we cause, some we fall into. Some that are just because we live in this world. But those trials, no matter how they come your way, become this opportunity to have your faith tested. Well, I don't want my faith tested. Well, too bad. We're all having our faith tested. Trials do not produce faith. I need you to hear me. Trials do not produce faith. Trials expose our faith. All right? Trials do not produce faith. They expose what faith we have. So where does faith come from? Faith comes from hearing, and that's the hearing of the good news of Jesus Christ. It's why we proclaim him in all that we do. It's why preachers preach. To proclaim the good news about Jesus because when we hear the good news, faith is birthed. Trials expose the faith. Y'all know it's true because we've all had trials where we're thinking, God, are you really there? And James is saying, listen, let's consider pure joy. When you face every trial of every kind in every season. Because the trial is going to reveal your faith. You're going to hear me say this a lot. Loved ones, it's not that he's heartless, but God doesn't care about your happiness. He cares about your holiness. Do you hear that? He doesn't care about your happiness. I mean, he wants you to have joy and all of those things. But he's not going to tickle your ears and make it easy and tell you that you're beautiful and pretty when you're sinning. Your holiness matters to him. He says, be holy for I am holy. We have been taken apart, bought and redeemed. So it's not our happiness that's at stake. It's our holiness. Your character matters. Last week, Pastor John spoke about the virtue and the production of the fruit of the Spirit in our life. Your character matters. Your, your heart matters. Your attitude matters. Your holiness matters. Every single one of us are fractured. We are a fractured people. 
And the truth of the matter is, is that each one of us, regardless of our appearance or our position in society, we all have major inconsistencies. We all have major inconsistencies in our character. Yep. And James is saying, the one I'm a slave to wants to do something about that. We are not called to be inconsistent. So through the move of the Holy Spirit, James is speaking to us this morning about how to fill the gaps. So be holy for I am holy, the Lord declares over us. See, trials test our faith. And a faith that is tested is precious. So what does it mean to be tested? So picture a silversmith. We, we are kind of past that day of seeing silversmiths regularly. But put the silver in a pot and they would stoke a blazing hot fire. And they would put the pot in the hottest part of the fire. And as the silver heats up, the impurities begin to come to the surface. And as those impurities come to the surface, the silversmith scoops them off, gets rid of them, and heats it up again for more impurities to rise to the surface. That's what James is saying. That the testing of our faith were the silver in this story being heated up. The silversmith is the Lord taking away the impurities. This testing of our faith so that we can be made to be more like the Lord. So, so how does a silversmith know when the silver's done? Because he can see his reflection in it. Loved ones, the Lord wants to see the reflection of his son in you. So what an opportunity we've been given. James says, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Because those trials put you in the fire and reveals your character. It reveals your attitude and your thoughts. And if you're like me, sometimes you realize that those thoughts aren't always good thoughts. You've been on the 401? The trials in this life is God testing us. It's God purifying us. This is about the Lord maturing us to make us look like him. His goal is for us to be holy because he is holy. The purpose the use of every trial is for our benefit, for our purification, so that we will reflect the sun. Our trials are never in vain. The Lord will always use them for our good. And we can, pers we can persevere, persevere through them. That's the plan. That as those impurities are wiped away, as 
the bitterness shows up. Lord, remove it in your name as the anger rises to the surface, the insecurity. He's purifying us in trial. Now, I've, I've watched other churches. I'm aware that there is a health, wealth, and American dream gospel out there. That come to Jesus and all will be good. You'll get all the money you need. You can have an airplane. You know, you can have power. You can have this, that, and the other thing. It's a false gospel, I'll just tell you right now. It's a lie. It's not true. Because in this life, we're going to have trouble. Because when we meet Jesus, we are, we are actually taken from the kingdom of darkness that is in this world, and we are, we are transported, we're made new, and now we're in the kingdom of, of heaven, the kingdom of God. And once you know Jesus, you live between the clash of the kingdoms all the time. So it's hard. And then you have trials. Then you need to consider pure joy because you're being purified, because your faith is being tested. So it's, it's not an easy road, but oh, folks, it is a good one. And it's the best road there is, let me tell you. So the Lord is maturing us by purifying us. And then James says that if you lack wisdom, you should ask God for it. So whatever trial you're facing, whether it's today or the trial that comes tomorrow, if you don't understand it, if you don't know what God is doing, ask him. Ask him, Lord, what are you working on? What needs to be uprooted in me now? Sometimes you can pray, be gentle. I'm a willing vessel. But we get to ask for wisdom because James says, listen, in this moment, when you ask for wisdom, God is going to give it to you. He is going to give it to you without prejudice. He's going to say, I will show you what I'm doing. I'm going I'm to press on that soft spot that needs to be rooted out. But when we ask for wisdom... We need to stay on course. Listen, I know that there are other paths out there. And I know that in the midst of a trial, in the midst of turbulation, in the midst of a storm, we sometimes think, I'd rather be on that path. It looks really good. You know, the money, the power, the security, the whatever it is, the kids, the marriage, whatever the grass greener on the other side looks like for you in the midst of the trial, there's this temptation to want it and to long for it. But we're to consider it pure joy when we face every kind of trial. And if we don't understand the trial and what he's doing, we need to ask for wisdom. Because this is the path to holiness. This is the path to be more like Jesus every day. And when we ask for wisdom, we get to know that, that deep within us, God is for us, not against us. 
that he who has begun a good work is faithful to carry it on to completion. And he will use the trials and the storms to bring that completion to pass. We need to be grateful for the purifying season. So when we ask for wisdom, hold fast. Don't doubt. Lean in and trust the Lord. He's working it out for your good. For his good and perfect and pleasing will in your life that you would be like him. See, James ends, we'll go to the next. James ends in verse 12. We didn't read this, but let me share it with you. He says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. I want you to take note here. Those who make it through the test are those that love him. Don't brush that off. Those that persevere through the trials and tribulations of this life, those are the ones who love him. And there's a beautiful crown that is coming. See, you know what? It is easy to love God when he gives you everything you want. But we learn faithfulness. We learn about his provision. We learn about his unfailing love in the midst of the trial. Billy Graham was quoted saying that mountaintops are for sightseeing, but the fruit grows in the valley. I had this new thought recently as I've been reading through James and knowing that August 7th was coming and just being reflective of how the Lord has moved in my life and, and what he's done to bring me to this day. How he even brought me to know him was through a really dark day and a story that I will share another time, but I came to faith. I, I had a boy in high school sharing the word with me, but those seeds came to life when my dad died. So I came to know the Lord in the midst of darkness, in the valley of the shadow of death. I've lived enough life and have known enough hardship. I am well acquainted with loss, with grief, with disappointment, with hardship. And I'm so thankful for it. Because see, this day is coming that I won't be on this earth anymore. There is a day coming, and, and I'll totally steal from D.L. Moody, who said that one day you're going to read that D.L. Moody has died. Don't believe it, because I'll be more alive in that moment than I've ever been. That is going to be my story. That one day, my faith will become sight, and I will be with Jesus walking and talking and saying, oh my goodness, I love you. Thank you for the trials. 
Because see, I'm going to spend eternity worshiping him with the angels and the creatures in glory where I'll know no pain and I'll know no sorrow or sadness or tears. I will worship him in a place of glory. And I'm excited for that but I become more grateful for my time on this earth because those trials, those seasons, those storms, they've taught me to praise him in the storm. See, I'm going to praise him when it's good. But today I can praise him when it's hard. And that is the invitation to consider it pure joy when you face trials of, of every kind. Because it is the testing of your faith. It's purifying you today to look more like Jesus. To learn. To lift your hands when you don't know what's going to happen in the next moment. To praise him at the side of a deathbed. To know that even if your worst fear comes to pass, he is good and he is for you and he's working it out for your glory in his kingdom. I have read that someone said that the letter of James is this beautifully crafted punch in the gut to those who follow Jesus. And I agree. This is a beautifully crafted punch in the gut. We get to choose to be grateful, to consider it pure joy when we face trials, to live as bondservants to King Jesus. Everything about this Christian life is an upside-down kingdom. We are the exact opposite of the world around us. And it is a fun ride. Not one of you is going to say, excuse me, Pastor Crystal, but um, I, I don't know trials. I don't know what you're talking about. We all know that trials are real, that it's hard. And through James, through the invitation of the Spirit this morning, we've been given a fresh opportunity to have a new perspective, a heavenly perspective, a godly perspective on how to view the trials of our life, to consider it pure joy, because the trials test our faith. And everything that is tested is precious. So the way I see it, we have two options in how we respond to the words from James. From the invitation of the Spirit to consider it all joy. When things are hard. We can allow the trials that we face, the storms we're living through today, the hurricanes coming tomorrow, we can, we can choose to let them harden our hearts. We can choose that. You can choose to allow a bitter root to take root in your heart, in your thinking, 
you can choose to start saying, well, God's nicer to you than he is to me. You can choose to become a victim to your circumstances. But I promise you, if you let bitterness come in, it will take root quickly and it will flourish. And it's much harder to cut down than root out. So you can choose to be bitter. Or, the better choice, we can choose to be better. We can choose to surrender ourselves, to yield all that we're feeling, all that we're thinking to the Lord and say, all right, this is not good. I'm not enjoying this time. So what are you doing? We can choose to walk in step with the Spirit. We can choose to praise him in the midst of the storm and say, Lord, thank you that you are working this out for my good. It's weird because this life is, you know, we're, we're actively participating, but we get perspective when we look back. So we got to live through the trial. And many of you have lived long enough to know that, hey, at the end of those trials, look at what God did. You have testimony from the seasons of trial. So you have a choice. You can be bitter or you can be better. Perhaps you are here today and this is your first time. Maybe you're online and this is your first time tuning into church. And there's something stirring in you. And I, and I want to take a moment to say that that's the Holy Spirit. That feeling that you have, that stirring, you feel this need to respond, that's, that's the Lord. Maybe you're feeling like, she just read my mail. That's God. That's what he does. That's how much he loves you. He, he loves you so much that he put a word on my heart so that he could speak to you today. And you have an opportunity to respond to that. And so if you don't know him, it would be foolish and unwise and unloving of me to not take a moment to offer you the opportunity to really acquaint yourself with our Jesus. Because see, we, we are invited to become a servant of his, to be redeemed, to be made fresh and new, recreated. It's called being born again. And it's really simple. It's about a conversation and a leap of faith. And if you are with us this morning and, and you've never made that commitment, I, I want to just take this opportunity to invite you to do so, to, to lean into the Lord. And I'm just going to pray a little prayer. And you get to pray it with me. And it is simple. This is just about acknowledging God for who he is, that he's created you, that he's loved you all the days of your life. And that he wants to be in relationship with you.
And he wants to make you to be like his son. So it's a simple prayer. So Lord God, we thank you for being with me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for letting me know how much you love me. I've fallen short and I'm a sinner and I am in need of saving. So today I offer myself to you. I am yours. Would you be my Lord and Savior? Amen. If you've prayed that prayer today, all heaven is rejoicing. Maybe if we listen carefully, we could hear the celebration because the scripture tells us that when everyone, every person is brought from death to life, heaven celebrates. And so if you've prayed that prayer, if you're here, I want to connect with you after the service. If you are online, I want you to connect with the church. Give us a call, send us an email, and we will reach out to you because this is a good day. It is a glorious day, and we welcome you to the family. And for those of you who are here that know Jesus, and you've been walking with him, you've had this opportunity to sort of soak in the presence of the Spirit this morning, to feel those tender parts where the Spirit's been kind of pushing on you, saying, hey, this trial, that's, this is what I'm trying to root out. And you too have a choice to make. Perhaps you've chosen bitter a time or two. Well, the good news is, is his mercy is new every day, so you have an opportunity to confess that, repent, and be made new. It really is beautifully that simple. We are going to have communion together. This really simple meal of juice and a wafer. And it's this reminder. We do it as this reminder of all that Jesus has done for us. It is a family meal. And it's a declaration of Jesus' life and death and resurrection. And it's, it's the battle cry. This is what our God has done. See, I'm a new creation because of everything this little meal represents. Because of the beautiful life of my Lord. Because he hung on a cross. Because he died. Because he was buried. And then he didn't stay dead. He was resurrected to life. And, and that resurrection... That death to life is what I know. And what you know if you know Jesus. So this powerful little reminder. It is, if you've not done this, there's two layers at the top. The first little layer is the wafer. And then the bigger layers to get to the juice. I try not to spill it because that would be embarrassing. It's not as easy as it looks. But here we go. So brothers and sisters, bitter or better? 
He lived, he died, he was buried, and he rose again for you. So that you could be like him. So those trials that you face, you have a choice today. Will you consider them pure joy? Will you thank God in all circumstances? Because he's good and he is for us, not against us. And in the end, we will be where he is forever. So my, my heart and my hope is that as we partake this together, you are saying to the Lord, I choose better. I consider it pure joy. I don't want any inconsistencies in my life. I want to reflect Jesus and how I think and what I say and how I serve in all that I am. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Will you partake? And then he took the cup and he said, it's a symbol of the covenant made in his blood. See, he's a God of his word. He can't go back on his covenant. And we are part of the new covenant with Christ. So will you partake in remembrance of him? Let's pray. Abba, thank you for your mighty faithfulness, for your goodness, for your mercy, for your provision. Thank you for the storms. Thank you for the trials. Thank you for the waves and the wind. Thank you for the trouble that we face in this world because we know we're not alone. That we know that you step in. And so, Father, as a family, as your children, we invite you to purify us, to test our faith, to clean us up, to root out the things that do not honor you, that do not look like you. For we long to be a people who are holy because you, O oh Lord, are holy. So we offer ourselves as living sacrifices. Make us holy and pleasing to you, our God. And Lord, we pray for those that have come new into your kingdom. We pray that, that the roots of faith grow deep. 
Lord, we pray for the seekers. May they hear your tender whispers of love in their hearts. Grow your kingdom, Lord. We commit ourselves in this new season to you for your glory. In Jesus' holy name. Amen. And amen. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. And again, if you are new with us today, and you invited Jesus into your life, I, I would love to connect with you or connect with one of the ushers or the person sitting in the pew, the seat beside you, or the friend that came with you. Because we love you. And we want to welcome you home. If you're online and that was you, would you connect with us? Or maybe you're not in our neck of the woods. Connect with the church nearby. Because you are loved and you are precious. And so we serve him and we love him today. Amen, church? Amen. Amen. Worship team. Peace. 
So teach my song to rise to you When temptation comes my way And when I cannot stand up for all you Jesus, you're my hope and stay So teach my song to rise to you When temptation comes my way And when I cannot stand I fall on you Jesus, you're my hope and stay Are we good? One of my favorite benedictions in scripture is found in the book of Numbers. And so I need you to picture this for a minute. The Lord has a conversation with Moses and tells Moses to tell Aaron, his brother, the high priest, to teach the priests this blessing. And the Lord says to Moses, when Aaron and the priests pray this over my people, I'm going to hear from heaven and I'm going to write my name on them. So every time we speak this blessing over us, God hears from heaven and he writes his name, Yahweh, on us. This is a powerful moment, church. So in an act of receiving the gift, would you put your hands out with me if you're able this morning? May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward us and give us your peace, Lord. May we serve you well this week in all that we do. Amen and amen and amen. May you be abundantly blessed this week, church. If you're staying, we'll see you at lunch and for training. And if you're heading home, we will see you next week. Thank you for joining us today. You are loved. <laughs>